Hey, Ziggler family, this is Ziggler Show episode 442, and I must say it may be honestly one of the most powerful shows to date. Today, we have a special guest. We interview here on the show some of the best and brightest in the world of inspiration and motivation and personal development, but uh, here I bring you the guy responsible for bringing us the Ziggler message in today's world, the CEO of Ziggler. Tom Ziegler himself. Many of you have read his books, heard him on stage, and here on the show, he's often interviewing others with me and having discussions on the topics, but today you get him specifically. I wanted to interview him, and I'll tell you the interview went a direction, I a better direction than even what I intended, and you'll hear that. It is, it is profound. He, Tom, gives commentary on personal development from a perspective few of us have heard before, and it's truly significant. So listen in at your own risk of getting incredibly inspired and equipped. what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today is a brand new day, and it's yours. Folks, as we record this show today, I just received a box in the mail. I opened it up. It's a classy green box with a silver band that just looks like Christmas. It's the limited edition of Harry's Holiday Razor Set. It's the Winston Razor Set with the new midnight blue chrome handle, which you can get engraved if you want. It, uh, you know, I was thinking I was going to give it to my oldest son for Christmas. I'm going to have to be really generous though, because I kind of want it for myself. But you get free shipping if you order this before December 9th. So I would act now. You can go to Harry's dot com right now to get this limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last. Don't forget to enter code Ziggler at checkout for five bucks off. Again, that's Harry's.com and use the code Ziggler. Well, hi everyone. This is Kevin Miller, your host of the Ziggler show. We recently got another iTunes five-star review, but this one simply said more Tom. So, hey, we aim to deliver, and, and today we are Tom Ziegler. He's been CEO of Ziegler for a long time, but since his dad, since Zig passed away almost three years ago, Tom's impact has really ramped up dramatically, and today I wanted to make him the focus. I get to get the inside scoop with Tom as he and I are good friends and we do so much work together. I wanted you to hear some about who he is from a contextual standpoint. How did he come to run the Ziegler empire and why, and what does he see for all of us in the future? What's our hope, our opportunity, our possibility. And then we dig into one of his favorite topics, habit. But I got to say folks, we just in it just ended it, just finished the interview with him. And uh, as I said at the intro, it went into a deeper direction uh, that has me feeling like this is this is a primary show. If you are inspired, influenced, impacted by this Ziegler message of hope and encouragement and true inspiration and true performance, 
you need to, this is almost a primer show, I think, to listening to any of the Ziegler material. Uh, listen in. I think you'll agree. It, it's just a powerful, powerful show. Tom is raw and candid and open and just gives us some wisdom and insight that I had not heard from him before. So uh, it's definitely at the top of my list for shows since I started doing these things and really Ziegler messages overall. Well, speaking of iTunes, if you have found value in the show, please subscribe if you would. Uh, It helps you not miss any shows. And I got to admit, when you subscribe, it bumps up our rankings and more people find the show. And even more so, if you want to leave a review, that is a gift to us as well. Well, folks, here then I bring you Tom Ziegler and really a journey into the heart of the Ziegler message, ending in a very tangible, applicable discussion on habits that uh, has me thinking in some new, a new frame of reference, I think you'll be dramatically benefited as well. So here we go. Here's Tom Ziegler. Well, Tom, I want to start off by asking how you have seen kind of a 10,000 foot question here or 10,000 foot view, how you've seen the culture change in regards to this Ziegler message, inspiration, motivation, positive thinking, and how you see it change since, well, heck, since you're a kid growing up with Zig Ziegler as a dad, is it a different audience? Does it feel like a different audience uh, that the message has to be more for some, or does it feel like, you know what, it's still the same thing? Well, Kevin, I, th- I think it's actually both. Uh, when I was growing up, of course, the message was delivered to, you know, people in the U.S. It was it was a U.S. based, you know, American dream. These are the principles and values, Horatio Alger kind of message. And so in a lot of times, dad was speaking to the choir. I mean, these people who were coming out, 5, 10, 20,000 of them in the 70s and the 80s, they were a reflection of the values that he was sharing. And his message struck true because they resonated with it. It's the way they were raised. And then comes the 90s and the 2000s and technology and the global, you know, the global reach and the Internet. And now we've got uh, parents now who were raised by two income families. And so the way they were raised was different. They didn't have that that hands on, um, you know, time at home because. They would come home and their parents would be at work. Mm-hmm. And then you've then you've got all the media that's going on. So you hear about troubles around the world consistently, you know, war and famine and somebody gets kidnapped in Anchorage, Alaska, and it's headline news in Dallas, Texas. And so the skepticism of the world has really risen at the same time. A lot of that foundation wasn't there. And so it's very interesting to me to see how we can take the same message that we've been teaching for 50 years now, and it still resonates in the hearts of people. But now the question is, is, wow, this is new to me. What does this mean? Because they haven't been exposed to it. They they weren't taught it in school. Uh, Most of them are unchurched, so they didn't get it in that background. Their information has come from MTV and CNN and you know, headline news and, you know, Facebook and Snapchat. And so it's really interesting to see the foundational beliefs of people are in a completely different place. But the resonance of the truth, if anything, it's stronger now 
because the void that's there is bigger than it's ever been. And so it, it almost, when somebody's ready for the message, it almost has a faster, more profound impact than it ever has. Wow. It seems like another one of those areas where we're in this information age. We have more thrown at us than ever. And yet, yeah, we seem to have these bigger and bigger voids to some of the foundational yeah. truths. Knowledge does not equal wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is the, the definition of wisdom today is knowledge. Because that's it's like, hey, learn more, learn more, learn more. We should learn more. But wisdom is the correct application of knowledge, and it has to be within the moral framework. And the moral framework that most people today have been given is, hey, whatever feels good, whatever you think is right, there's not a real moral framework. And so we put wisdom in the context of a moral framework, and people go, huh. That kind of makes sense. No wonder what I've been doing, the way I've been treating people, the way I've been setting my priorities is not working because at the end of the day, I've made it all about me. Now, people don't say this because they don't like to acknowledge this, but once they realize when they flip it, when they take dad's simple quote, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. They're like, oh, yeah, I think that does make sense. It seems like I remember hearing that, but that's not the way I live my day. Yeah. And as soon as they start flipping that their day in that context, it really has a big impact. Well, and I would say testimonial to what you're saying there that, uh, yeah, there's a big, bigger void maybe, but then when people are ready, more resonance would be one of the reasons that this show has done so dramatically well, uh, because people are so hungry for the message. Well, I did want to give folks, you know, again, it's, it's interesting that you and I have been doing this show for two years and yet I've never interviewed you. And I think there's people who don't have context on you. So I got a couple just contextual questions on Tom Ziegler and one, and, and I got to admit that some of this comes from the interview with your sister, Julie, a couple of weeks ago, wondering, did you growing up as Zig's son ever have a time of, you know, questioning or, or just grappling with this positive thinking message that your dad espoused? Well, here's the good news is, is I never had a chance uh, <laughs> to have that thought because I saw it walked out in such a positive way all the time. And then the people that came into our life, whether, whether it was at dad's company when I was nine, 10, 11, 12, and I was going in for, you know, 30 minutes at a time and just meeting these people or, you know, growing up, I got to go on these incredible trips uh, whenever during the summer, whenever a client, you know, a big company was having a convention and it might be at a resort or somewhere nice. Uh, mom and I would go and we would have fun time while dad was up on stage. And I can just remember as a youngster, these people coming up to dad and saying, wow, that message that inspired me. Or I read your book. It, it changed my life. And I knew that there was something different. And then later on through the years, as I became aware of my surroundings, people would come and interrupt us. We'd be out to eat and they would interrupt us at, at dinner or lunch or we'd be traveling and they'd come up to dad at the airport. And they always had this, I don't know, this this face of uh, sincere gratitude when they would talk to dad. And you know what? You'd never mind uh, being interrupted when somebody's telling you thank you. Yeah. And so I got to hear dad be told thank you over and over and over again. And so I never kind of reeled back and said, hey, that's not what I think or that's what I believe because – 
all I got to see was the positive side of it. And I was raised in that way. Now, did I ever get negative? Yeah, I got negative. Did I ever, um, I had friends, uh, he would, they would just, they weren't really making fun, but they would just, you know, they would say, uh, Hey Tom, I'm Mr. Anti-negativism or, you know, anti-positivity or whatever, you know, and they would just kind of make fun of it because the way dad speaks, his quotes are so powerful uh, but if you don't understand them, they can become cliche, sure. right? And uh, but it never really bothered me because I knew the real story behind it. So yeah, so you know, I didn't really have that that negative uh, rebellion, or I don't believe this, yeah. or I'm going to do it my own way. I, I had patches in my life where I certainly tried to do it my own way, and just like everybody else who's walked the earth for a few years, we figure out the stove is hot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Right. But dad just kind of made it easy to do it his way or the right way because he always talked about the benefits and who doesn't love benefits. Well, I love the testimonial Tom of his fatherhood to you and you seeing the positive results of his work. So my, uh, one of my business partners is a, is a doctor, but not your average doctor. And when he first looked at going to medical school, didn't want to, but then saw his dad who started pursuing this again, it was a different type of medicine and he got to in some social, uh, some social engagements multiple times, see people questioning and, and asking questions to his dad and his dad being able to answer them and give them uh, real answers and real hope and see their emotional responses. And he has his own story. He says, man, I, that's when it hit me. He said, if I can have that kind of impact as a doctor, then yeah, I'm in. And you know, the naysayers, uh, you know, dad was on 60 minutes and 2020 yeah. and a lot of the, yeah. the shows and uh, these reporters would come in skeptical and, you know, and I won't name any names, but he would say, you know, some of them were so skeptical. They take a bacteria count on the milk of human kindness, <laughs> you know, and dad never took it personally. He never felt like a rejection of what he was telling them mm -hmm. was a rejection of him because he knew in his heart, he didn't invent this. I mean, he didn't make all this stuff up and create this great philosophy he just took truth, God's truth, and put it in everyday language. Yeah. And so he got to be the messenger of an amazing message. And when somebody rejects the message, that's up to them. That's not your responsibility as a leader, as somebody who's trying to make a difference in the community. When, they, when somebody rejects the message, they're not rejecting you. Yeah. And so dad had that, that self-esteem, that self-confidence, that ability to never get discouraged, even if people were like, no, I remember he would come home. I, I, this was happening in the in the 80s. We had our ICANN course. Over a million school students went through the ICANN course. Uh, and it's the ABCs of the attitude, behavior and character. And it was based on dad's book. See you at the top. And it was a character and principle building program that they taught in schools all over. And we would get amazing results. The, we would do studies on it. And this is what happened. Absenteeism would go down. Mm. GPA would go up. Uh, vandalism would go down. Overall school issues, you know, or bullying and things like that, that would all go down. And then the following year, they would take the program out of the school. 
And the reason was, is there'd be a new leader in the school that had their own agenda. And so dad, whenever he would get frustrated, he would get frustrated, not with, you know, the individuals who differed, but with people's inability just to look at results. You know, they would put their own agenda ahead of what was actually making a difference in the school. And of course it got politicized and that type of teaching became, you know, well, is that really politically correct? And who's to say whose values we can teach? And those are, man, we've, we're reaping the consequence of that today in our culture. And in that culture question you asked, I read an article uh, by a liberal college professor and he started off the the article with, I'm a liberal college professor and I'm scared. And what he said was, is, as a, as a college professor, we used to be judged on the content, the quality of what we taught in the class. And now we're being judged on how the students feel about what we say. And he says, I'm scared because I cannot enter into any meaningful discussions around, you know, kind of lightning rod subjects because somebody might feel bad about me talking about you know, genocide or abortion or end of life rights, all those things that need we need as a culture to have discussions about. And as a as a Christian, in my perspective, I want to be able to share my views on that. And I'm more than happy for other people from other faith backgrounds or non-faith backgrounds to also present their views of why they believe in a certain way. But when we go so far as to say, well, we can't say something because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Whew, that's tough. And that's the kind of thing that would drive dad nuts. It wasn't that people disagreed uh, with him. He didn't have any problem at all with that. It would be the outright denial or elimination of something that was positive just because their, their agenda was personal for their own ends. It was it didn't have anything to do with what's the benefit of the people involved. Well, so another question just on the context of you in the recent interview you and I did with Rachel Cruz, Dave Ramsey's daughter, I asked her when she realized that the path her father had started was the path that she would also go down and follow. And I thought about that. I I thought, I don't know that I've ever asked you that question as your friend. Uh, So I'll ask it publicly here. When was that? When did you realize, I know you, you know, you pursued golfing uh, and, and were at a high level there and you went to college. When did you realize that this legacy, this message that your dad had spawned was the vocational path you were going to pursue? Well, I've had a couple of turning points and, um, what I mean by a turning point is, you know, I thought I was doing it for this reason. And then I discovered, no, I'm doing it for a different reason. When I got out of college, my goal was to be a professional golfer and I had a long way to go. And I was uh, working with a well-known instructor and to feed my golf habit, I was working at the company. I was in the warehouse packing boxes and then I moved into manufacturing and I was doing cassette duplication, uh, videotape duplication you know, pretty easy manual work. You, the quality control is easy. You either do it right or you don't. And that was great for me uh, during that time. And then I moved into sales. And at the same time, I hurt my back in golf and, and realized that I had just so far to go, I'd probably never get there. And I fell in love with sales. Hmm. So I started loving selling our stuff. And the very first sales call 
that I ever had, this gentleman called in. So I'd gone through a week of training and this old man calls in. Now he was old because he had to be in his sixties. And I say that tongue in cheek now yeah. because I'll blink and I'll be 60. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said this, he said, Tom, I'm glad we're talking. My son-in-law and daughter are going through a very difficult time in their marriage. My son-in-law is a dentist. He still has debt from college education, you know, his dental school. And then he just bought a practice. And so he's got that debt and they have three kids under five years old. And so they've got this financial debt. They're young parents. They've only been married six or seven years. They've got all this stress going on. What programs does your dad have that could really uh, benefit them? And so I was just brand new trained on our products. And so I started going down the list. Well, you know, this and 30 seconds into it, he stops me and he says, Tom, stop. He goes, here's my American Express card. And he gave me the number. He said, why don't you send them anything that you think that they need? Let's pray. Wow. And all of a sudden I realized that I had nothing to do with that sale. It was purely on dad's reputation that that sale was made. And that's when I realized that there are bigger things, far more important things than the next transaction. It's what you stand for. It's what people say about you behind your back. And this man knew that this material would help his son-in-law and daughter. He was proud of them both. He wanted them to get through this hard time and he knew they would. What could he do to help? And then he trusted me. He extended to me the same level of trust that he felt towards dad. So that was like this, wow, we do have a higher calling because we help people in difficult times. And wow, we've got a higher responsibility because now as a 24-year-old salesperson, I got to make sure that I send him exactly what he needs. I mean, on the one hand, I could send him one of everything and make a big commission. Well, that wouldn't be right. Or on the other hand, I might not send him enough because I don't want him to think I'm taking advantage of him. He actually put the burden on me to pick the exact right solution. So that was the first one. Then the second one, a few years later, uh, we were at a big Amway event. And dad would be brought in to speak. And sometimes they would make him the surprise guest. So we were at this venue and there were over 30,000 people at this venue. It's one of those giant basketball arenas. They had chairs on the floor, the whole nine yards. And they had us set up our product tables during the evening break. So they let everybody go at four and then they get them out. And then from 4.30 until 6.30, we got two hours basically to set everything back up. And we put our product tables out. Now, 30,000 people, we had about... 25 eight foot tables and these were all filled with product because that's how much product sales we're going to do and they gave us these uh, tablecloths to cover up all the products so that when people walked in they wouldn't know that zig ziglar was going to be there because all of our products says ziglar it's got dad's picture on it yeah so they open the doors the crowd rushes in and one of the first people looks to the right he sees the product tables One of the tablecloths is not quite covering everything. And he looks at me and he says, is Zig Ziglar our special guest? And so I gave him the sign and said, yeah, come here. You know, it's a surprise. Don't tell anybody. I covered the tablecloth all the way over so that nobody would see it. And he says, 
is he going to sign autographs? And I say, yeah. He goes, where's the line? Where's that going to be? And I say, it's going to be right over there. He's going to sit in that table, you know, it's about 50 feet away, right at the end of our product tables. He goes, uh, well, I'm going to go stand in line. And I go, well, it's 6.45. Dad's going to be on at 12 o'clock tonight, and it's Amway, so that means he won't start until 1 because Amway always runs late. Um, and he's going to be done about 2. So really, why don't you go enjoy the evening, go do what you want. People aren't even going to know there's a line until 1 o'clock in the morning. He goes, no, that's okay. I'll just go get in line. So this guy goes and stands in line before there's a line, before people even know Zig Ziglar is going to be there. So at seven o'clock, he's in line, eight o'clock, he's in line. And so a little after eight, I'm like, I got to go hear this guy's story. So I go over to him and I say, tell me, why are you in line now? And he says, oh, I'm, a, I'm from Central America and I moved to the U.S. to find a better life. And when I moved here, my family stayed behind. I moved in with my brother in Chicago. And after I'd been here for three weeks trying to find a job, he said, I went to my brother and I said, I need to learn English. How do you recommend that I learn English? And he looks at me with this, uh, this like deep look in his eyes. And he says, that's when my brother gave me the book, See You at the Top. And he said, if you translate this book, see you at the top from English into Spanish and start reading it in English as you go, not only will you learn English, but it will change your life. And then this guy had tears in his eyes and he said, Tom, I was an alcoholic. I was on the verge of divorce. That book saved my life. It saved my marriage. Now I'm living the American dream. And that was the turning point that said, you know what? Every person we talk to matters. We have no idea what path that they've gone on to get here has been. But we can give them hope and encouragement. And then we can give them, like Dad says, not only a promise, but a plan. So he took the seat at the top message, which is all about inspiration and how we can change our life and determine our destiny and make good decisions. But that book is chock filled with action steps. This is what we can do. This is what we can do. This is how we create a healthy self-image. This is how we change our thinking. This is how we can create the right desire and work ethic. And he was standing in front of me in well-pressed, well-used work clothes. In other words, he was still climbing the ladder, Mm -hmm. but he could look back at how far he'd come and the fact that he still had his relationships and the gratitude and the joy was just overflowing. That was the day that I knew that I was no longer in the book and tape business. I was in the life-changing business. And ever since then, uh, it's just been a joy, the testimonials that we get. I mean, you know, it's like you and I, we have these email conversations about, wow, can you believe that email we just got? Can you believe that review on iTunes? Can you, you know, somebody just got the self-talk card and they're saying it changed everything. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. That's when it changed for me into that big picture. Okay. So right there, you have spent in essence, a lifetime of being involved in this Ziegler message of hope and encouragement and inspiration and dealing with so many people, countless people and countless stories, just like you told there. And, uh, I want to, I'm curious, what are the inspirational 
stories, you know, in regards to the, the type of people really that you are most drawn to? Is it, you know, someone going from, you know, good or great to excellent, or is it the underdog who never thought they could do much or was told they couldn't or somewhere in between, uh, grant, granted that you're grateful for all the testimonials, you know, all the stories, but are there some that just, uh, a, a segment that pull at your heartstrings that, that you would say, Oh, that, that, that riles up my passion or I have a burden for that type of person. Folks, I'm jumping into the recording here to let you know, you need to listen in here. You're about to hear some of Tom's true heart and, and really the heart of Ziegler. So stay tuned uh, while I quickly thank a company we love who's helping bring today's show to you. It's Harry's Razor. So you may know my story from hearing so much about them. They wooed me from a lifetime of electric razorship. And now I'm a tried and true Harry's believer. They got the best razors, the coolest image, the cheapest price. I mean, what's not to love? And now it's holiday time. They have a limited edition shaving set. I just got mine in the mail. Comes in a stylish green box with a silver band. It's the perfect gift ready to go. It's their Winston shave set, but with a new midnight blue chrome razor handle looks really cool you can get it engraved even comes with three of harry's german engineered five blade cartridges that they provide such a great close comfortable shave with foaming shave gel that smells amazing a beautifully designed gift box it normally goes for 30 bucks on harry's but if you haven't tried harry's before they also offer handles and sets starting at only 10 bucks either way we have a special offer for fans of the ziggler show We've partnered with Harry's to give you five bucks off, whichever your order is, when you enter code Ziggler at checkout. Free shipping, speaking of Christmas, ends on December 9th, so best to act now. Go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com right now to get a limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last. And don't forget to enter code Ziggler at checkout for five bucks off. That's harrys.com, code Ziggler. It's the overcoming stories. Uh, and I'll just tell you one. Um, one of our Ziegler Legacy Certified Trainers, her name is Heather Pritchard. Heather is just, she's dynamic. She's, uh, she's contagious in all the right ways. I mean, you're just around her personality and you, you just want some of it. You know, you want some of that to rub off on you. And she had a very, very difficult pregnancy when, and she ended up paralyzed. And they said she would never walk again. Now, in our Ziggler Legacy Certified Training, we teach this concept. It's called block in a mailbox. And it really stands for a little bit extra. So block in a mailbox, that was the way dad lost his weight. He, he set an exercise goal, and the first day he ran a block. And then the second day he ran a block in a mailbox. The third day he ran a block in two mailboxes. So the principle is whatever it is we want to accomplish in life, we start where we are and we do as much as we can. And then the next day we do a little bit more. You can do it in your physical life and your career and your relationships. It doesn't matter. And so Jill Tibbles, one of our trainers, she says to the class, does anybody have their own block and a mailbox story? Well, Heather stood up and said, let me tell you mine. And she talked about the pregnancy and the fact that she had this complication and the doctor said she would never work or walk again. And she said, you know what? I'm walking out of here. I'm going to walk. And she talked about doing physical therapy and how she would literally walk a few feet. And then the next time she walked, she would walk a few feet more and 
the next time she walked, she would cover that distance in a few feet more. So fast forward, she gets home and every day she's walking around her neighborhood and she's, you know, on, you know, getting help and she's walking. And she said, everybody in the neighborhood knew what time I was going to walk. And they would meet me at their driveway with cookies and gifts. And I just, I just have this picture of a community supporting somebody on a journey and somebody just doing that little bit extra every day. And so that story with Heather, I mean, it just, that's what Ziegler is about. We want to be that community. We want to be uh, that that inspiration that gives you the little cookie, uh, whether it's emotional or or you know a, an audible word that you get like off of the podcast or you attend one of our events. We want to be part of that community that keeps you going to the next mailbox. And incidentally, in that class, I mean Heather was one of several stories in that class. That was just like that. We called that certification class our miracle class because we had three different people in that class who had literally uh, died and come back to life. And they knew that they were called to a higher purpose. And so that's the kind of story that gets me going. And, you know, every day I get emails from from Asia and Africa and all over the world. And there are people in their own circumstances. And that's the that's the good news is we have information that can give somebody hope right where they are. And then if they just do a little bit more today and a little bit more the next day and a little bit more the next day, someday they can be like Heather and, and drive, you know, from our home eight hours away and come through a, uh, our, our program and walk up and train and do everything. You know what? Is her health perfect? Is it as good as it was when she was a teenager? No, it's not. Is her impact a multiplication, an exponent, multiplication factor of impact is it that much bigger you betcha i mean i'm looking to see the legacy that that family's creating out of that situation because it's gonna it's gonna be something on that same note as we're talking about overall personal development which covers a multitude of different topics different focal points if you had to choose one specific area to teach and impart and guide pretty much every day, all day, just one, where would you land? What aspect of a personal development of the Ziegler uh, message of what you do? So many things of all day, but if you had to pick one, what would it be? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's an unfair question. I know. That's why I thought I'd ask, but People have asked me many times, you know, what's the number one lesson that dad taught you? Well, and I didn't even ask that. What's the one that just jazzes you, though? Yeah, uh, it's, your, it's, it's actually kind of uh, concise. Uh, it's the number one lesson. Uh, it's the one thing that we can all control. We don't believe we can control it sometimes, but we can. And here it is. The number one thing that you would do is you would determine the input into your mind. I mean, I have that quote, what you feed your mind determines your appetite. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, my favorite quote of dad's was you are what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are and you can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. The stories we tell ourselves, the stories we believe about ourselves, it's all a result of what's come into our mind and then we choose to believe or accept. And so the genesis, you know, the alpha of starting a new life and, and doing things differently in the future starts with our decision on what information we're going to put into our mind. And I've had this, you know, this internal debate, okay, in our life, you know, dad used to say we're tri-dimensional beings. We're physical, we're mental, and we're spiritual, right? Those are, we're tri-dimensional. We've got to, in order to be successful, it's our brain and what we think about. It's our heart and our soul and what we believe in physical. Uh, our physical life is key. And we've got to be tri-dimensionally successful. We've got to have success in all areas of his life. So which one do you do first? And there's arguments for all of them. Hey, you know what? If I work on my physical self first, man, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to have more energy. I'm going to have more clarity and focus. Yeah, so start on the physical. But wait a second. Uh, people do that every January and they give up the gym by February. Well, they never change their mental picture of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so even though they were physically doing things, their thinking didn't change. And so their brain and their mind said, no, 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 that's not you. This is the real you. The real you sits on the couch. The real you eats donuts. So you got to change your mental input. And then so let's start there. And then spiritual. Well, how could you ever tell somebody, no, do mental or physical first and then do spiritual? You should start with the spiritual side, your qualities of success. And so after thinking about it and really praying over it, I decided it's what you put in your mind. So your mental, your input is the number one thing that you should do. Now, I want you to choose wisely. And I think your mental input should focus on your spiritual qualities. Because now you've got the one-two punch, the mental and the spiritual going hand in hand. And you start doing those things right. You start leaning in that direction. You start figuring out how you can be the best version of you. And pretty soon after that, you're going to start taking care of the physical. Because you can't maximize the mental and the spiritual unless your physical is solid. Yeah. So that's the that's the five minute answer to that. But I, you control your input. I love it. And it's God, I wish it was harder. But you know, you get a <laughs> brand new uh, computer. It's got nothing on it. I mean, if you download a bunch of viruses, what's going to happen to it? Hmm. <laughs> and that's the problem. Is through our lives, we've all downloaded a bunch of viruses. We got to clean those babies out. I have one more personal question for Tom before we dig into habits. And I'll, I'll tease you by saying what Tom shares regarding habits and how to instill positive habits into our lives is just profound. It's a different angle than I've heard before. He showcases it so uh, tangibly uh, that again, what just listen in and we'll, we'll get right there after I thank Lenovo for their support of this episode of the Ziegler show. So cloud infrastructure is the focus here. So imagine if you have house guests coming, but only one bedroom. What if you could order an extra bedroom for your guests that you could remove after they leave? That's the idea behind Lenovo's next generation data centers built for cloud computing. The cloud is all about giving your company the ability to expand and contract server space on demand without actually adding more hardware. Lenovo understands that on-demand access can give your company a tremendous competitive advantage. The faster you can scale up, the faster your development team 
can test new applications, and you get new product features into the market faster. But that kind of flexibility is worthless if your servers are down. Lenovo servers are number one in reliability and performance. You don't have time for downtime. Also, feeling handcuffed by proprietary hardware software relationships, Lenovo systems allow you to partner with leading software providers to ensure your cloud solution is best in class. Lenovo systems can even integrate with legacy software platforms to help get your cloud solution up and running quickly. So learn more about how Lenovo is transforming the data center at Lenovo.com slash data center. That's L-E-N-O-V-O dot com slash data center. All right. So, uh, and I want to ask about habits. I got one more question though for you. So positive thinking, positive self-image. I mean, you grew up with it, you teach it. You have your own level of mastery in it, yet you're also human. What is the, what's the area of Tom Ziegler's positive self-image or positive thinking that you have to work hardest at maintaining health in? Oh, that's, well, my struggle the last uh, years is faith. Mm. It's, it's really looking at, you know, that, that, that internal feeling of, am I doing everything I can? Wow. You know, that program over there, that didn't go like I thought it would. Uh, you know, boy, this, this economy thing is kind of uncertain. Golly, I don't know what's going to happen on the election and no matter who wins, I'm not sure what it means for us. Wow. I really was counting on that deal, but it fell through. And so dad just had this unshakable thing this confidence that said, you know what? I'm doing everything I can do today and I'm leaving the rest to God. And for some reason, my biggest uh, challenge is leaving to God what's God's. I can't control tomorrow, much less five minutes from now. And so I just, there's a mantra I say that's kind of what I heard dad say thousands of times. Focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. So that is what I've got to do. It's not the answer I was expecting. That's, um, that's significant, <laughs> man. I'm, I feel like I, this is, this is, uh, this is the stuff that I would ask you over lunch and, uh, we're, we're going live with it. So I, I think it's awesome. Uh, so, Hey, yeah, go ahead. We're real. We're real here. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that about you. Well, Hey, so, you know, the quote I want, I want to hit on habit, um, it's the quote that uh, people have heard enough of the shows. They should know your story. But when you are asked in front of a live audience, what's the fastest way to success? And you quipped out, replace a bad habit with a good habit. Simple, concise, direct, actionable. But let's talk about that habit. I think you know, so many people view successful people as above the norm, possessing abnormally higher abilities and skills and realities than everybody else. Uh, and uh, I, I, from your standpoint, your experience of being with world changers to people who are just at the beginning of their journey, when we talk about habit, does it feel like, you know, again, just like you talked about with, uh, with some of the changing the input, it's fairly easy that it is somewhat simple. It's just those little daily actions. And that is, again, one of the root simplistic, but root issues that we so often miss. And I don't know why we do. So t talk to us a little bit on habit. 
Yeah, when, when we talk about, okay, what separates the super, super, super successful from the rest of the world, uh, obviously, you know, talent has something to do with it. Uh, circumstances might have something to do with it. But here's the reality. Um, I can show you people who terrible circumstances, average amount of talent, but amazing habit. They break records. Yeah. There's a quote. I don't know who said it. I think I'm even misquoting it, but it says, you cannot determine your future, but you can determine your habits and your habits will determine your future. Mm. Mm. Man, that just, that just hit me. And I, and I knew that quote before my own quote of the fastest way to success is to replace bad habits with good habits before that quote just popped out of my mouth. So I've been digesting and, and looking over habits and there's great books that have been written on habit. Um, and I'll, I mean, here's another thing that most people don't know about me is I usually, if it's a well-known leader in our industry who's well-quoted and speaks a lot and is considered an expert, uh, if it's in my sweet spot or in the Ziegler sweet spot, I usually don't read their stuff. And the reason is, is I'm trying to go to the ultimate source of the material to remain true and pure to what we're saying. And I don't want think people, I don't want people and my thinking to be uh, not clouded. That's not the right word, but I don't want people to think, Oh, you know, he's just borrowing what so-and-so said, or he's just coming up with what so-and-so said. Now, if it's outside of my main, my main uh, emphasis, like leadership stuff, I read leadership stuff all the time. I speak to leaders not necessarily about leadership stuff, but about foundational stuff that makes a great leader. So there's a little bit different twist on that. So I love to get their, their, their views on that, but, but habit uh, in the last couple of years, there's just, there's a habit that keeps coming up. I, I wrote about one recently. It's the 1% of your time, 14 minutes a day habit of just starting your day 14 minutes working on your goals, planning your day, getting clarity and focus, visioning what you want to happen in 14 minutes. Man, we've all got 14 minutes. I talked to another uh, gentleman, one of our ZLCers, and he hit a big goal. He smashed it. I mean, he, he had a revenue goal and he, and he exceeded his revenue goal, which was already almost a 15% increase. He exceeded that another 15%. And I said, how did it happen? What's the one thing? And he said, I spent eight minutes a day working in my goals every single day. First thing in the morning, he looked at his daily plan, what his goal was, what appointments he had, what objectives he was going to accomplish eight minutes a day. If you're not hitting your potential and you're not spending eight to 14 minutes a day, every day planning your day, <laughs> Tell me, what's the downside? So that's the power of habit. So, you know, the habits I incorporate is I get up early and I have my quiet time and I plan my, my day and I do my big projects. Um, not because, you know, it's hard to do or, or whatever, but that's what successful people do. Uh, Howard Partridge, our exclusive small business coach, you know, when we work with hundreds and hundreds of business owners, helping them systemize their business, 
I mean, what he says is, hey, you know what your fastest way to success is or one of the fastest ways besides the habit thing is find people who've already walked the steps that you want to walk in and do what they do. And it's interesting because I don't have to be as smart as they are. I can just do what they do. And I'm going to get a higher level of success than I can imagine. I may not obtain what they did because maybe they are genius. Maybe they invented something. Uh, but a lot of times the people who understand how to maximize something, they actually do in the first place. So I want to on that on that note, as I, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking that uh, let me let me give an overview of the average trajectory for the average person, me included. You you're born, you got parents, they tell you what to do, you react to that. You go to school, you're pretty much told what to do, you react to that. You go to college, same thing, you're reacting to that, then you get out and get a job, the average person where you're put in a role, you're given your task, you react to that. And so we have so little training or experience, if any, the average person who's listening to this show right now has grown up with a lifestyle that they did not maybe choose. They didn't choose it to happen that way, but that is our culture. We react. And now the big call that you keep bringing us to is taking the day captive, taking our habits, our actions, and being intentional and leading this proactive lifestyle but is that as i sit here and think about it it's a, it's a radical departure from pretty much the reality and the circumstances that we are ingrained in from day one and, and on one hand it can sound simplistic but do, do you, is this a is this a root issue that we're calling people to something that is so outside of the norm that we in some ways maybe even need to elevate the gravity of changing from a reactive lifestyle to a proactive? Yeah, and it's even worse than what you just described because uh, psychologists will tell you that um, a negative input will have three to five times the impact on you as a positive input will. Mm. But yet we get about five times as many negative inputs every day as we do positive. I mean, think about it. You're at work and you have a meeting. Do you, does the boss say, hey, you know what? There's five things I love about what you just did. Boom, 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 boom. Could you also please do this extra one that was left out? No. What happens is they go in and they say, hey, you know what? You need to resubmit this. We're missing this piece. Go and do that. Mm -hmm. And so you leave out of there less than what you were. It's the rare environment where Somebody understands that uh, when you go out to eat, when you're in a social environment, same thing, you know, it's th this negative. And so if, if we're going to go to that level that we want to go, we've got to understand that not only do we need positive thinking, can do solution focused uh, thoughts and processes and, and, you know, things that we're going to follow through on. But we've also got to understand that we need to compensate because we're wired to take more internally, more seriously, the negative. For some reason, that's just the way we are. So, yeah. so we tell our kids no thousands of times while they're growing up. They go to school and, you know, the active little boy who's completely normal is told, don't say anything or you're going to get in trouble. Follow along, you know, and it's, 
you know, there's ways to handle that that's constructive and positive to celebrate who you are, but also respect the rest of the class. You know, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do it. So we've, we've really got to, as an adult, we got to look back and go, and dad used to give this example. And the example is if you're driving to go to a meeting and you kind of get lost and you pull over um, and you ask for directions and the person gives you detailed step-by-step directions, you write them down, you repeat them back. They say, yeah, that's how you get there. Then you follow the directions exactly. And 30 minutes later, you're 30 miles further from where you were trying to go. Is that your fault? And the answer is no, you did everything right. You got in the neighborhood, you asked the person for directions, you had trust in them that they could give you the right directions. They were sincere, you know in your heart they weren't trying to mislead you, but they gave you a wrong turn. And that wrong turn sent you in the opposite direction. So whose fault is it that you're 30 miles further away from your goal? It's not yours. And so when we look at our life and we look at the decisions that we've made and the things that we've tried that didn't work, that ended up in in bad scenarios, we tend to blame ourselves 100% for that. When the reality is we were given bad directions. And so now we've got a choice to make. What can I do today to make the right decision and how can I forgive myself for coming that because some people they carry that baggage oh i'm you know i messed this up i i you know i'm responsible i'll never be worthwhile i'll never be worthy we've got to let go of that baggage so we make a decision today to go the direction that is the right direction and we forgive ourselves for taking the wrong advice wow um this interview has just gone a direction i didn't intend tom it's better how (laughs) I, 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 this is, this is, it reminds me of our campfire conversation a couple of years ago where I asked you just some in-depth questions about, uh, uh, along these lines and, uh, is not the, it's not the glasses that I had on today for this. And this is so much better. Uh, well, and so another question on habits and, and I'm asking this peer to peer with you to some degree because um, well, here, I'll, I'll give you a story. So I had a, I had a client a couple years back, business development client. She was a personal trainer, had a, had a pretty, pretty good sized business, but she was talking about this new product, uh, service that she was putting out and it was focused on a uh, core training, strengthening your core. And she was talking about flexibility, flexibility. She wanted to put this thing out. It was all about f- being flexible. And it finally dawned on me because it just wasn't gr- grasping. Uh, it, w- it wasn't, it wasn't, um, I wasn't getting it. It wasn't resonating. And it finally hit me and said, you know what? Nobody wants to be flexible. We, we don't want to be, fle- nobody wants a strong core. We don't go around going, Hey, you want, you want to show you how flexible I am? Uh, or you don't get a trophy, you know, for the strong yeah. core. What do you want? You want the benefits that that gives you. You want mobility and, and freedom from aches and pains. And so let's talk about that. Cause she was an older lady. She was uh, 55, 60, and she really was working with some of her peers there who were at that place of having less mobility, more aches and pains. And so it was a great call out. So let's lead with those benefits. Same thing, Tommy, you know, if you we watch the uh, commercials, so many car, car commercials, especially these days, and they don't talk about the horsepower or the ergonomics or the, uh, you, you know, the structure of the car and the suspension. They give you these images, 
that we all aspire to, an image of being different, uh, being unique or being fast, of being uh, desirable, whatever it may be. I mean, the, the Porsche, you know, commercial is not talking about the horsepower. It's talking about, man, the credibility you're going to get pulling up in a Porsche. In, in essence, the benefits, the results. So there's my lead in to when we look at habits, I feel like even for myself, when I look at my goals and my habits, I tend to not do what I'm preaching right here. From a marketing and business standpoint, I'm pretty good at hitting this. But with myself, I tend to put it down. Here's the discipline. I need to get up. I need to do my uh, two chairs. Uh, you know, I need to spend time with, I need to spend time in devotions. I need to spend time with God. I need to work out. I need to do the, and I list these things out that aren't not that exciting when I list them out that way. And I don't think about the results. Is that a tactic that you use and would espouse with people with habits is, Hey, let's list out the benefits, the results that you want. That's the habit. That's where it comes. You know, the, the root may be that discipline, but can we get a little more mileage, a little more excitement, a little more, um, uh, when well, in, in the healthcare and, and medical industry, health and wellness that I'm in, we're talking about compliance, you know, taking the supplement therapy programs only as good as your compliance to it. So how can we help the compliance of habits is my overall question. I'll throw at you here, Tom. Okay. We always say the same thing. You have to start with why. Why do you want it? Why are you going for it? And it has to be a huge why. Mm. It could be the legacy and the reputation that you want to leave and build for yourself. It could be, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, if you read See at the Top, there's the David Lofchick story. Mm-hmm. David Lofchick uh, was a young boy who had cerebral palsy. Uncle Bernie uh, who dad was his best friend. Uncle Bernie's amazing. Uncle Bernie, when his son was diagnosed, he didn't accept it. He said, you know what? I'm going to have, I'm going to get the best life for my son that I can. And his son is one of the only, uh, people in history diagnosed the way he was to overcome those physical things and have a relatively normal life. But his why was so big that it made the work and, what he did to build his business to pay for the medical stuff that his son had. It, 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 it drove him. It made uh, doing the hard things easy because his why was huge. You, you see people in science and in business who get involved because their mom or their sister had a, an issue in their life. Maybe they had a mental illness. Maybe they had cancer and their whole life is driven by this why. And they go and invent something that benefits millions of people. But we can all create that why in our own life. I mean, if we look in the mirror and we look at our kids and we look at our family, is there a, I mean, that's a pretty big why. I mean, don't we want our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids, don't we want to equip them with not only, you know, financial stability, but what about the ability to make decisions based on God's wisdom? What about the ability to discern uh, a good deal or a bad deal or a person who is the right kind of person to hang out or, or the person who's there to take advantage. Don't we want that? So when we start looking at the why in that context, well, how do we build that why? Well, we do all these things every day. And so when we start the day, we got to start with our why. Why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, well, why am I getting in shape? Well, you know, I'm going to feel better. That's a great why. You know what's an even better why? Because my kids are probably going to be healthier because they're going to mimic what I do. 
And if I tell them why I'm doing it, if I tell them why I'm eating this or not eating that, if I tell them why I'm exercising, and we teach our kids delayed gratification, we do those things, and the why gets even bigger. So we always start with why. So the fuel for habits is the why. The second piece of that is we got to understand that habits take time. We used to think, you know, 21 days, we got to have it. 30 days, we got to have it. Now the research is showing 66 days. Hmm. And the reason what they define that is, is that if we do something for 66 days, this is kind of the, the, the barrier. Once we get past 66 days, if we don't do it, our whole body, our whole mental mindset is going to go man, something's not right. I'm missing something. So if your goal is to walk every day and you do it for 66 days and the day comes where you're not going to walk, your body's like, your mind's like, Hey, you know, this doesn't feel right. So what we want to do is create habits that are so ingrained that if we miss it, we don't feel right. If we work out for a month and we miss it, it's like, man, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A day off. (laughs) So that's the key is we, we, we figure out our cause or why, why are we doing it? It's got to be huge. And then we, so I broke it down into three, into three steps. One, what do I want to achieve? You know, this, why, what do I got to do to achieve that? Write that down. And then the third one is do it. And so a lot of times we never say, this is why I'm going to do this. And when we do that, we can, we can be consistent for about a week yeah. and then we get home late and we're tired and we had a bad day. And so we skip the workout. We, we eat the cheesecake. We, you know, don't do the business planning, whatever it is. And then before we know it, we're back to doing what we've always done. So the why has got to be there. And then the second step is, okay, that why that's a big why that's worth it. What is the detailed step-by-step plan to get there? That's taking a dream and turning it into a goal. And then it's the doing it part. So we got to have all three. What do I want to achieve? What do I got to do to achieve it? And then do it. Well, Tom, uh, this may be one of my favorite shows so far. It feels like you and I just had campfire. And I am, but it would be one of those where I would be sitting there going, you know, I wish I had recorded that. And we are (laughs) recording this. I am going to uh, post this out and I am going to do everything in my power to draw people to listen to this. And folks uh, who are listening, I would, if you were influenced, impacted as much by what Tom shared in this as I was, uh, think about some people in your life who you want to gift with the Ziegler message of positivity, of hope, encouragement, uh, and uh, help them with the habits that will breed success in their lives forward the show on or send them to zigglershow.com to check out some of the shows, but maybe even specifically this show because, uh, and, um, forgive me for tooting your horn so much here, Tom, but uh, I mean, here we have a guy, Zig Ziglar, who created this legacy and you've grown up in it to hear you give commentary on it after seeing it and seeing the evolution uh, is, uh, again, and this is, this is, this is, uh, we need a book of your commentary on the, Maybe that's the next one. Um, yeah. and, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your heart, your emotions in this. And, um, again, this is, 
this has given me some things to think about. And even on the aspect of habit, I don't think I've ever heard you put it quite like you did even today. So brother, thank you. Always a gift to do these shows with you, but especially this one. And just to hear your insight, it is a gift and it is a legacy that I'm grateful to be a part of. Thanks brother. And uh, just, just one final thought because I get this sometimes some people will be like, well, that's easy for you. I mean, look, look who you learned under. Mm. And of course, my goal is to, uh, to live up to everything that dad did and, you know, the, to the best of my ability. And you're right. I did have an advantage, but when you compare me and, and what I've done so far and what dad did, I mean, dad's amazing. He lost his dad when he was five years old. He had to start work at six years old selling peanuts on the street corner. He was raised by a single mom with a fifth grade education in the heart of the Great Depression. And he didn't do well in school. So you can compare yourself to me and say, oh, you got it easy. You know, that's easy for you to say. Don't do that. Look at the stories like dad who didn't have anything. No Internet. I mean, they... You're listening to this, and you can go listen to anybody you want. Mm-hmm. And Dad, his the formation of his career, it was old-fashioned. It was books and dedication. We can all do it. It's all in it. You know, we all have it inside of us. We have all these qualities. They just need to be developed. So this, this should be that message of hope to everybody. You, it, it, you know, Dad said this, and I'll close with this. It doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you finish. So the hope in this whole message is regardless of what's happened to you in the past, the circumstances that brought you to where you are today, you can make a decision today to make today better than it was yesterday and tomorrow better than today. And that's a choice. And with that choice, we all have an awesome responsibility. So let's use it well. Amen. Tom, everyone listening, thank you for being here. Thanks for joining us and inspiring our true performance together. It is an honor and we will talk with you in the next Ziggler show.